Welcome to the Being Irish podcast. This is a podcast about our experiences of being Irish. With very little research. Yeah, please don't reference us. Please don't cite us. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Patrick. And my name is Porrick. This week... We'll be talking about transport. The Irish transport network. To oh, yes. Be very precise. That's a very different breed, isn't it? Uh, if there's one thing that we do like complaining about is our roads. Yep. I think it's fair to say that Irish roads are important to us for more than just our transport values. You know. Yeah, getting from A to B is all very well and good. Yeah. You would think that would be the end of it. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. If it comes to um, a road, there are a lot of factors to take into account. Those factors usually boil down to potholes. Because if there's one thing that has played a disproportionate uh, part in the history of Irish politics, it has probably been the role that potholes has played in it. The mighty pothole. The mighty <laughs> pothole. Many, many a local councillor, many a TD, has been elected off the back of their ability to get a pothole filled at the right time. Yeah. The opportune moment, as Jack Sparrow would say. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it really is the powerhouse of <laughs> local politics in Ireland, which, of course, is politics in Ireland. Yes. Yeah. Now, certainly in rural Ireland, but it's a thing. Okay, if you come from a rural part of Ireland, the likelihood is, whilst the main roads themselves are going to be, by and large, looked after by the council, yeah. it's those side roads, the, 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 the roads the, that people take to go home the yeah. local the our like, roads the regional roads route, yeah. yeah and especially those ones which people take specifically to get to the front door the little boreens yeah like, boreen i love that word yeah it is a good word and it's it sounds very much like it is yeah you know very rural <laughs> very very rural and if you're like if it's a really good boring it's a road that basically the road itself has been somewhat uh, been given over to nature again as grass has grown up through the centre of the actual road itself. Uh, the classic, the yeah. classic image of Irish boring is the two tracks of tar, the two yeah. pieces of tarmac well that worn. the car <laughs> follows and then the grass centre island. Yeah, like, like a little, uh, a long, a very elongated uh, natural reserve down the middle of, like a DMZ, down the middle of the road, basically, itself. yeah. Which, depending on just how well <clears throat> frequented that road is, or just how good a summer we've had, um, you can usually hear underneath your car as it rubs against it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> In a very worrying fashion, you're like, oh. Now, if it's a decent boring, if it's a decent uh, local road, side road, lane, whatever you want to call it... Um, that trip itself will be fine. It won't be punctuated by jolts, drops, sudden scraping noises coming as your tires dip into chasms, yeah. pits, yawning abysses that crater some of them. And that sounds like an exaggeration. But it's not. It's not. It is not. Uh, there's that video of that man that went viral, he's actually bodily, physically getting into a pothole in Cork somewhere. I think it was outside Kentur. Kentur. Like, this was like three years ago, and the guy... <clears throat> now, 
look, it's it's a thing he did, which he thought would be a bit of crack. I think that was his justification. Yeah. He thought it would be a bit of crack. So he strips down to a pair of bathing trunks yep. and he gets into a pottle that is filled with water. It looks like a sauna. Like it looks, looks like, like he's getting into a sauna, yeah, basically. Like a really muddy roadside <laughs> sauna, for context. I mean, like this isn't a case like this is a particularly good idea. This is the middle of winter he was doing this in. That thing was filled with water, not because of some natural spring or anything like yeah. that. It's just been raining. He had right? poured radots in there ahead of time no. with bubbles and so on. It's just It wasn't chlorinated hole. water, you know, yeah. like it would probably have been a very bad idea for him to have like stuck his head underneath it and I really hope he took a shower afterwards uh, yeah I hope so but he was able to physically get into this thing and sit down into it and just have his head basically sh- and shoulders just yeah. poking above it so that's what we're sometimes dealing with here okay it's and it, here's the thing as well like Ireland is a very, and I know we've said this a few times, Ireland is not just a predominantly rural country, it is a massively rural country. Almost all of our landmass is covered by places that are not in a town. Yeah. Marshes, bogs, mountains. Go back to the bogs. Yeah, like parts, like you just look at Kerry. Kerry and Mayo are great examples. Like, look at the peninsula there. Yeah. Like, getting in and out of there, you're not going to get there by train usually. Planes aren't always an option. The road is your number one man to get in and out of this place. You, you get a road down there. You, get, you come off the road onto a slightly worse road. You come off the slightly worse road onto a Bohreen. And then you go from Bohreens to laneways. And then it's really you have to abandon the car if you need to go any further. <laughs> or, get, or get a Jeep. Yeah. I have actually had occasion to actually drive down roads where I was specifically told beforehand... This is a 50-50 of whether or not we're actually going to get through here, okay? It's just one of those things. It's kind of a road, mm. all right? It's still the only way to access this house, but whether you could call it a road is quite liberal. It may just be more a place where there was more gravel put down on the ground than anything else, you know? We, I had just... Uh, like, it just came to me there that we had this uh, experience. We were uh, in... Donegal, we were in a place called Green Castle. It's way, way, way up and like as almost as far north as you can get in the island on the island of Ireland. And we were up there for training. We had the weekend off. A bunch of us got in the car. So we'll go around, we'll do the thing. We went off, but we were trying to get back to Green Castle because one of the lads wanted to see the football match. And we were like, oh, come on, right, we'll turn around, we'll get back to, to Green Castle on time. We had that experience where we we're never going to be seen again. And uh, one of the lads went, oh, it's all right. This next road is a, it's all right. We're back on the main road. And I was like, what are you talking about? Just because it doesn't have a green track running down the middle of it does not make it the main road. Depends on your definition like, of a main road. Yeah, and he's like, no, it's fine. We eventually get, came to the crest of a hill and there was a signpost with two kind of arrows on it. One of them said, Green Castle, 11 kilometers. And the other one pointed in exactly the opposite direction and said, Green Castle, 10 kilometers. Ah, yes, I love those signs. <laughs> At this point, I was just having a fish in the backseat of the car. I was like, this is too much. <laughs> there is a particular description, uh, a particular description of a direction that I think you can only find in Ireland, where if you're in a rural area and somebody is telling you how to get from A to B, there will be a description of, when you get to the Y, Go straight. Yeah, you know, this is something go straight covered at it. the Y. <laughs> yeah, all right. That may make no sense to someone listening to this, but that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, when right? you when you see it, you'll yeah, know. you'll understand it. Go yeah. straight at the Y. Yeah, um, but I actually remember driving from Louth to Sligo, and 
I took a notion that I was going to take the scenic route, which in my head was I was going to take a different way that I'd normally I go. hope this ends up with you learning your lesson because as I did any, learn my lesson. any Irish person knows there's nothing worse than notions. Yeah, it was a notion. <laughs> I took a notion. I thought I'd do the border route. So basically, you can actually drive um, and basically go from Loud to Sligo um, without going into the north. Okay? Right. Now, that isn't... That is the optimum way to go. The, the, the most obvious way to go if you're going from Loud to Sligo is in as straight a line as possible, which takes you through Fermanagh. Right. You know, like, okay. you basically, you're going to be in a like, that yep. is That is the road that you actually take. <clears throat> However, you don't have to do that, obviously. You can just actually skirt the bottom of Fermanagh and actually go down along the actual border itself. And it was a route that was taken by people yeah. for practical reasons when um the when, when, the when north, there was a hard border there as you yeah, say yeah when the north and the south had a much more troublesome relationship when it came to the border yeah. um so i thought i'd take that at a certain point at a certain point i was following this road and i was somewhere up a mountain <laughs> and i wasn't exactly sure where the hell I'm i was and all i'd seen for the last five miles were sheep there were no people there were no cars, there were no houses, there was no structure that was intact. <laughs> there were the ruins of buildings, you know, those great stone walls. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of looking around going, there's, I don't even know who used this road last, right? And you come to a certain point and you're kind of driving along an edge and you can see the dead carcass of a sheep over to one side. And it's like, going, yeah. if my car went off the road here, there's a good chance I may never be found, you know? It could yeah. be it could be oh, a, it, could, it could be a group of hikers yeah. basically in five years time to come along and go ah yes that's what his notion got him <laughs> yeah. he had notions yeah, didn't he? he had a notion let that be a lesson kids yeah and we do have a lot of bloody road I mean generally speaking uh, if for some reason the road is you know if there's construction works or if like recently in recent years there's been floods and a road is closed there's usually an alternative route we have a lot of roads they yeah. may not be in great shape no. Uh, they may not even be technically allowed to be called a road under EU legislation, but we... <laughs> loose definition, like our beaches, loose yeah. definition. A, a thor- an avenue of passage is yes. there for you. We ha- we're in the top 30 countries in terms of actual road per square kilometre. There's just a lot of them are terrible. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're I mean, again, they, they, they were, under very loose definitions. Yeah, they, yeah. They, were, they, were, they were put in place because of the fact that at the time, somebody used that route for a particular reason. And... You know, they were using it, you know, as a, as a walking route, which mm. then evolved into a donkey path, which True. then evolved into a road. Yeah. And the thing is, you should never use a donkey as your primary <laughs> means of, of, de- of deciding where road should go, all right? Yeah. It's a bloody bad idea. Fred got up there. Yeah. All right, okay. Fred must be your engineer. No, no. Fred's your, <laughs> <laughs> Fred's your donkey. Yeah. And because... Don't forget, a lot of roads, when they were built, there wasn't a lot of construction that went into them. And the ground in a lot of places, especially in the west of Ireland, rural Ireland, isn't that solid to begin with. Yeah, it is a bog. We are known for our bog for a reason. Mm. Those things sink. Like, they subside. Those potholes come from somewhere. Like, it's, it, we made yeah. our mistakes a long, long time ago, <laughs> and we have been patching them ever since. The problem is, right, I, and this is something I think we were taught in, in primary school anyway it's not really true but it's kind of, it's useful to think about that Ireland's a saucer that all the mountains are predominantly they're towards the edge and the middle is a great big bog there's a great big <laughs> dip there and the problem is 
in order to traverse the country, you usually need to go through the Midlands, and that means building across a bog. Oh God! For the most I've, part, yeah, I've driven some of those roads, and especially when you get off a little bit off the beaten track, there are points you're kind of going, ah, oh, this is starting to turn a little bit more into the Dukes of Hazard than I really appreciate. Yeah. Whoa. Like, Whoa! It's like the you know the streets of San Francisco <laughs> Act Two. <laughs> you're like, oh my God! Just less impressive scenery. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go off the road, there's a chance that you may never be seen again because a car could sink in a bog. Yeah. Yeah. very quickly no, depending okay. on the weather to be fair just in case you are someone who again from outside of Ireland it isn't really that likely that you're just going to leave the road and never be seen again it just might happen in it, some cases. it could it, it has it, happened uh, yeah. down through the years yes. uh, yeah yeah, we're a bit more populated with cars these days. Not, and, not just people, though. There was one year where uh, a truck containing the manuscripts from the Leaving Cert, our, our end of school uh, exams for most people in this country, uh, I presume it hit a bump or something. I don't know what happened. I don't know if anyone ever found out what happened. But a whole bunch of Leaving Cert manuscripts were found in a bog somewhere in the <laughs> Midlands where presumably the truck hit a bump. The back gate when the truck came up and the, all the manuscripts went flying out the back of it I into know. the nearby I bog. I don't know. I was wondering if maybe little Johnny didn't do so hot in that, like, that, that Matt's paper, you know. <laughs> Broke into the truck during the night and then stashed them in the bog. Hey, look, you can't you can't get rid of one. That would that would be obvious. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta go big or go. You gotta clever. Um, but yeah, so like when it comes to Irish roads, they are something that we feel very strongly about. I mean, like we now do have a motorway network of sorts, but it's yeah. kind of haphazard, you know. And again, centered around getting people to Dublin. Yeah, I mean, like everything sprawls out from Dublin, and it should be yeah. fair. It would be very fair to say that when it comes to um, our transport net- network. Dublin is a major hub. Now, yeah. now it it has devolved over the years. I mean, like it is better now uh, than it has been. But when you get right down to it, the rail network still is concentrated on routes that leads to Dublin. Sure. Um, the road networks, from a motorway point of view, <coughs> primarily leads to Dublin. Yeah. Or um, around the edge of Dublin city centre, like the M50. The M50, which is the main arterial route north south now inside yeah. of Dublin, or around Dublin to be more precise. Yeah. Um, and Something needs to be done about that. A lot of people spend the greater part of their life on the M50, unfortunately. They spend about a third of their day asleep a third of their day at work, and the other third on the M50. Yeah, well, uh, this is something we've kind of touched before with the, with the, 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 the spread of Dublin out uh, from the city itself to the point where Cavan, which is a significant distance away from Dublin, is Cavan. now considered to be a commuter zone. Which is in a different province. <laughs> <laughs> Technically in Ulster. Yeah. Um, is now a commuter zone. You have a lot of people who are commuting for much longer, spending much longer parts of the day actually driving to and from work in Dublin or around Dublin itself. And there is one massive thoroughfare, the M50, which is now servicing that traffic because it's trying to get everywhere else. Yeah. And that that isn't too bad because the M50 itself is a, is a massive construction. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a all the project. roads off it, on the other hand, which were never designed <laughs> for this amount of traffic. That's where the issues really start to when show. You speed past the turnoff point and you're like, oh, God, no. Oh, no. I'm trapped here forever. Oh, God. It's Belfast for us. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope thing. you guys wanted to go to Belfast yeah. today. We missed our turning and this. I'm not hitting, I'm not taking another toll. I'm not I'm not doing that to you myself. You can see Enfield <laughs> over <laughs> there and you know that's where you should be but yeah. you can't get there and you can't figure out how to get there. 
Like at the moment, the 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 motorway network it is expanding. Like the next massive stretch of motorway that should be open is from Gort bypassing Galway and uh, cutting up towards Tume, I believe. Okay, right. Yeah, that's the next big stretch. Uh, Gort, of course, a few years ago, famously, and to the relief of anybody who's ever had to go through Gort, got bypassed. Got bypassed, um, and I'm sure the people of Gort probably were. Relatively happy because their central road was in bits. Yes, because uh, everything had to go through Gort if you were driving between Galway and Limerick. And it was a that nine is serious bottlenecks there. So that's all a bypass now. Growing up, I actually remember that driving anywhere in Ireland was one of those debates about how you got around the various different towns that were bottlenecks because there yeah. were a number yeah. of them. You know, if you were trying to get from one part of the country to the other, at least at some point or other. With few exceptions, there was going to be one town that was kind of like whispered of, with yeah. like with fear and reverence, as like going, and we have to get through. We have to get through Lochray. Jeez, Lochray, oh. a town that at one point narrowed so much that it basically came down to a lane and a half of traffic. It was, I think, it was the trucks that were the problem. Was it? It was like yeah, the trucks going past, but they the layout of the road just generally. But yeah, trucks, you know. Yeah, which were you know I you know I don't want to malign trucks trucks carry it was a goods thing. and it services. Was, it, you know. like we're not. It was just the problem was the fact it, that it was a problem. The, the street had been designed for two donkey carts to pass each other comfortably, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. with a margin of error, and not to deal with modern traffic considerations and possibly a footpath. And Athlone, uh, for the longest time, had to deal with this as well. And there's a point in Athlone that it was just referred to as the bottleneck because it was literally shaped like that. Yeah, it, it opened out. I think, and I might be mistaken. My geography. Of that long is not that great. Somewhere around where the Royal Hoey Hotel used to be, and then just before you come up to the bridge, that once again changes because you know Athlone is conveniently located in two separate provinces. Yeah. So you would cross the, the river at the bridge there, and that really narrowed down. And of course, the road itself or the bridge itself is a natural bottleneck as well. Actually, a very good one, Slane. Slane is a wonderful. Not familiar with Slane. Oh, Slane! Slane is a tiny, tiny bridge, and it's a very busy road, and it's also got a serious hill on one side of it. So, the, if you're actually driving through Slane now, there's um effectively kind of a stop-start system on both sides. So, you, right. you like if you're coming down to actually um the, the the bridge from I think it's the north side. There's a huge array of like uh, traffic lights up there to try and control the flow of traffic as it's okay. going back because the bridge itself is too narrow. I think it's a one lane bridge. Right. Uh, okay. It's not a humped one of those little humpback. Bridges. No, no, it's 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 a, it's a decent sized bridge, but okay, it's just right. it was a bridge that was never designed with the amount of traffic it was taking. You know. Yeah, and, and Slane is one of those places because say of concerts and so on that yeah. regularly gets a huge influx of traffic. Yes, and when it comes to our infrastructure, we really do know how to service our small towns and villages, <laughs> oh, which yes. is why we so love <laughs> sticking things out there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We because shouldn't laugh. I bet there's people out there who are really angry listening. Probably to very, very. And justifiably so. Yeah, sorry. We, you, know, you know, we feel your pain. We, well, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been stuck. <laughs> Somewhere going, oh, I can't believe my life has become this, basically. The worst places, though, for a long time, Cavan was notorious. Mm. Cavan was just, when, when you came to potholes, people would make jokes. I used to make jokes when I was eight and nine. We were aware of it at that age, yeah. that Cavan was a really, really bad place to go. And But just on, on the point you made about the, uh, you know, whispering would all reverence and fear about certain towns. I remember when we'd go visit the cousins or some, someone else in the family, and it was one of those, it was a very male thing to do, to sit around and the women would be talking about whatever. 
Um, and men, you know, particularly if you've already run out of conversation about sport or something, Jesus, I tried to drive through Loch Grey there the other day. Oh, Jesus, do you know, there's a better way now to do that. And that would, this whole conversations for hours on end would be how to get successfully from one place <laughs> to another. What's and this was valuable information. It was traded like currency. Well, this basically. is pre-internet age. Pre, oh, yeah, pre, yeah. Like pre-sat pre yeah. all of this. This is like 1984, people. Oh, God. Like, I remember going on family holidays and I was the one reading the map. I was like going, you need to go turn left. And my father going, no, I don't. So I don't. always got out of that because I cannot read uh, and be in a car at the same time because I get really, really badly travel sick. Uh, you've, you've been there when yeah, it's happened to me. Yeah. It's like, stop the bus. I'm just going to get off and discreetly vomit over here. Yeah. If you hand me a map or anything that I have to read, I will throw up. I just, whatever it is about the motion and things speeding past my eyes quickly and then having to focus on the map, it just makes me want to vomit straight away. Well, it, that does, I think, naturally bring us to the subject of buses. Um, oh, as you gosh. Them up. And, of course, if we're going to talk about vomiting... Anyway. My, my, the sun and buses. <laughs> <laughs> You're two natural enemies. God, and steps. And steps. I will never forget uh, getting a bus from Letterfrack back to Galway. Letterfrack. Yeah, we'd gone there as a college outing, and um, we had stayed in the hostel the night before. And one of the lads had made the unfortunate choice to take uh, some fruit um, off, I think it was a hippie who was also staying in the um, hostel the same night. Oh, okay. he, he basically, in the morning, your man was there and he was eating a melon or some form of fruit. It was somewhat exotic. Right. Definitely not what this poor lad from Donegal was normally used to as breakfast fare. Yeah, so, apples and, and oranges probably. Uh, yeah, and along for the fact that we've been drinking all night <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the time to start experimenting. Not the time to start experimenting. So as we, you know, headed back to Goy from Letterfrack in a bus along rural oh, roads, God. I entered into a very interesting conversation with a guy who was returned from Antwerp, where he'd spent the previous twenty years as a diamond broker. Because that's yeah, a tight obviously conversation Obviously, in Antwerp, that's yeah. the place to be if you're into diamonds. Yeah, yes. well, he was returning to Letterfrack to uh, to retire. So I had that interesting oh, conversation. Oh, very nice. And then someone mentioned to me that so-and-so was at the front and he wasn't feeling that well. So I went up to check on him and uh, he was quite clearly turning green. And uh, I went up to the bus driver and said, I think you need to pull in. I think my friend here is going to be sick. And the bus driver said, ah, he'll be fine. You know, like, he's obviously <clears> looking at his watch, thinking what time he's going to get in. And I'm looking back at my friend who's like blue and like going, I'm seriously thinking you need to just pull in and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, hold on a second. I'll see if I can find some place to pull in. And like, this is obviously a country road. There's not exactly much room to do anything except just stop. Yeah. And I can see him eyeing like the entrance to a field, like another <clears> like two, 300 meters up the road. And the next thing is a blah, as projectile vomit shoots forward onto the windscreen of the bus. Oh, God. Because at this point, my friend has done the, the right thing. He's moved right up to the front. He's taken a seat there. And it's one of those seats which is slightly raised above the level of the door. All right, okay, yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So, obviously, he's... Like, the window in front of him, the driver's sitting down to the right. There's the footwell for the entrance. And he's actually basically positioned perfectly to actually hit the midsection of the window. Perfect spray height. Just oh. really kind of, like, blasted. And um, yeah, the bus driver kind of didn't have that look of. Hmm. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. What can you say? Just stopped. <laughs> Just stopped. Retrieved a bucket from somewhere. 
<clears throat> told me that this has happened before. <laughs> Don't wipe things down. We're trained for just such a look. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't. It's not just uh, the travel problem, like you know your balance and things going past your vision very very quickly. It's also for a very long time. The buses have changed really, really come along. Mm. For a long time, Wi-Fi the entire now. interior of a bus was carpet. Carpet as far as the eye would see. And the seats themselves were carpet. They, they were carpet. Yeah. Everything was covered in carpet. And the smell of it was enough. I don't know if it was an association thing, but one day I was walking through a bus station. I think it was in Galway. And there was a and a door of a bus opened and a waft of bus air hit me. I actually had to stand beside a bin because I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> good memories uh, eh yeah on a very similar topic and hopefully we'll get back on topic then I don't want to continually talk about showing up but for me that's my experience of buses is showing up this happened when I was in New Zealand uh, I was like I'm going to show up I, I need, we need to pull over now so my girlfriend said um, pull over please he's about to show up and your man's like yeah no we just we need to we need to show up or we need to pull over here I'll just wait till we're on the stretch. And she's like, no, 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 you, you need to pull over now. And she said, please pull over. Mm. And I went, mm. and he had pulled over at this stage. This is almost a minute of conversation. Yeah. And I was like, right, fair warning. You, yeah. Blah, right. Yeah. He pulls over on the spot. Yeah. I open the door, I get out and I'm showing up. There's tears coming out of my eyes. There's vomit. And I want, then I managed to open my eyes and wipe away the tears. And I realized I was throwing up on the corpse of a badger. A very, very long dead badger. And I looked at it and went, uh, one part of my brain went, there are no badgers in New Zealand. <laughs> and the other part of my brain went, but look, those molars, those are, those are definitely the molars of a, a, a badger. And eventually it went, ah, it's a dead possum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, now, this you sounds very scientific place. and lovely, yeah. but actually I was just a mess. I was covered in vomit and tears and everything. But that is my, my usual experience of buses. I do not like buses. Which is unfortunate in a country that is largely serviced when it comes to a public transport point of view by buses. And I don't drive. Yes. <laughs> so Whose fault is that? <laughs> my own. Yes. But you, buses have come a long way. They have. They are no longer entirely composed of carpet on yes. the inside. And you know, there are onboard toilet facilities. There's Wi-Fi. There's sockets. Oh, sockets all over the place. USB yeah. sockets. It's, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. And I have to say, I've gotten a lot better with it, so... Unfortunately, the problem is that when there are um, specifically industrial relations issues um, in our public service, especially when it comes to buses, um, this can affect a lot of people because Ireland itself, um, from a public transport point of view, is, I think, underserviced. Um, now, a part of that is down to the fact that obviously we have large urban centres where our population is concentrated and then a huge sprawl yeah. of the countryside where basically... If you don't drive, it is very hard for you to get from A to B unless you can get a lift off somebody or you can rely on the local bus service. Because our rail right. network is very, very particular and it only goes services service is very, a very limited area. Yeah, it's, it's almost certainly, for a lot of people, not an option. Yeah. yeah. So at the moment, we're actually currently facing possibly a strike by Bus Aaron, which is the yeah. national bus service. Okay, who have been operating... At a loss or nearly at a loss or about to start operating at a loss. Uh, and so they're trying to offset it. And that, this is the argument that they're like, you know, we need to do something about that. And the unions are saying, well, it better not be 
uh, interfering with our people's wages or working conditions. I personally wouldn't like to be the person in charge of sorting that mess out. Yeah. It's a controversial <coughs> issue from, from a number of points of view. And it's unfortunately one, though, that when these things come up, it, it, tends to, um, it, it tends to affect the people who are the least able to actually um, handle the loss of those services, as in yeah. like, they have the fewest options to deal with it. And that's not... That's not uh, unusual it's a fortunate case but like if you've got a rural area and you have people who rely on the bus because they're elderly because they don't drive because yep. of their age you know it's it's a thing um and in the company might be saying well look we have to cut back yeah routes that's tough that's tough that I is think. a tough situation for everyone to be in and then um, you you kind of like you're you're looking at well I, some particular services may not actually have many people using them, but that might be the only service that they actually have when it comes to public transport. Yeah. And that's it. And I think that's an ongoing debate in Ireland, trying to actually figure out how to deal with that, because we're really heavily reliant on cars. Uh, yeah. Like, we, we don't really have much of an option uh, for a, a lot of the time, except to use cars because of the practical issues that most would have in regards yeah. to where we live and where we have to you live in the country commute, you, you, know? you need a car if yeah. you live in the country like, I mean properly in the country yeah. not like in a town or village which is rural Yeah. I mean like you, you could manage you, you can manage to different degrees but practically speaking practically I'll never forget I met a German woman once who had moved to Ireland and she had moved to um, a village outside of Monaghan Monaghan town alright and um, I was just chatting with her about how she found Ireland. She'd been there a few years at this point. And um, she told me that she never forgot the, the first week that they'd moved into their house. And they were living a little bit outside this village. Right. Um, and she'd always wanted to live in the countryside. And, you know, it was all lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, living the dream and all that. Living the dream. Yeah. And uh, she'd come from Germany and came to Ireland without knowing really much about what it meant to live in rural Ireland. So she went into the village, like the second or third day she was there. She went to the post office and she inquired to the lady behind the counter, when is the next bus into Monaghan Town? Ooh, eh, a bus. Exactly. <laughs> to which she was told, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great when they answer for the day and not the time of the day. <laughs> yes. And you're kind of going, nothing about that surprised me. Right. Um, absolutely nothing. Did it I bet you? she was horrified. I she she was a little taken aback. She was a, especially since she didn't drive because she had come oh. from I oh, okay. like Berlin or one of the like larger cities, right. and she was just used to being able to take the bus or the tram or whatever it is. Um, there was basically you know a public transport system that she was used to being able to actually avail of, and which mm. you know like I know that every time I go to London or anytime I was in Paris or frankly any major European city there's always been that moment where I was like going and you have an underground rail network it's either the yeah. metro or the the, the tube so or whatever those, and you're going yeah. oh god this is U-Ban. so wonderful <laughs> yeah you have buses light rails taxis you have the underground you, you like there's just so many options it's like going for the, public transport it's like going and if you, if you miss one like there's another one in like 15 minutes or 20 minutes and like going there's a network and you can get to A to B and a reasonable length of time is like going, God damn it, this is what I want. <laughs> what, when, I, when I go to Dublin, this is what I want to be able to take. The options in Dublin when you're actually looking for public transport are Dublin bus yeah. or the Lewis. And the Lewis is great, 
you know. Yeah, I like Toulouse. Yeah, it's, I think it's supposedly modeled on the one in Strasbourg, but I think it operates better than the one in Strasbourg. Um, when you're trying to buy your ticket on the one in Strasbourg, there's a weird little wheel thing that you have to turn to go up and down through the menu. It's really hard to use. <laughs> Whereas the one in Dublin is like, there's a screen and you touch the area you want yeah. to go to and it's, you're sorted. The, the or the leap card, like, which I love. What's that? The leap card. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's like the Oyster card in uh, London. Uh, you top it up, you put credit on it, basically. Let's say you put 20 euro on it. Mm. And you can use it on the Lewis, you can use it on the Dart, and you can use it on Dublin Bus. Yeah. And I think now you can use it outside of Dublin. I'm, don't quote me on that one. I think you might be able to use it in uh, Galway and so on. Um, but I, in the morning, as part of my commute, hop on a Dart, Dublin area rapid transport, gets me into the middle of town, and then I hop on the Lewis for the next part of my journey. And it, I think the maximum you can pay, supposing you just use the bus, I think the maximum you can pay is about 27 euro or something like that. Maybe a bit less if you're a student. Okay. And the max I think you can pay if you're combining the transports uh, is about 35, something like that. Mm-hmm. So And you're guaranteed to only pay X amount per day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's sense. really, really good. Like, this is the thing. Dublin, like, the Lewis is one of those things. As, as an actual service, it's a great service. It's just a shame that when they built it, they didn't connect the two lines because there's only two lines of it in Dublin. Yeah, and there's the, a large gap. The red and the in, green line in the middle of it. Sure, know? I mean it's a substantial gap. It, yeah, I mean like it's significant. Yeah. I mean it's not just a case like you have to like walk over a street. It's a good distance in between one to the other. So the green line terminates just there in Stevens Green. Mm. The closest stop on the red line to there is is probably uh, either the Jarvis stop or the Abbey Street stop. Yeah. In which case, you have to walk all the way down Marlborough Street, cross over College Green, cross the O'Connell Bridge. And these are all very busy, yeah. uh, congested areas. Like, and that's a good 10-minute walk. Easily. Yeah. I mean, like the lines themselves are wonderful because they actually do hit... A lot of key areas if you're trying to get around Dublin, especially yeah. if you're just coming into Dublin. Like mm-hmm. if you're get, coming off the train station there at um, Conley or Conley, Houston, Conley or Houston yeah. Yeah. both of them, you come out and then you can hop on the Lewis. And the Lewis will bring you through like the north of the city. It will bring you out towards uh, the Red Cow Roundabout. It will, it yeah, will that's hit. right. And it terminates right there in, in Tala. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, is, that is an incredibly useful, like, um, area to be to be serviced by the Lewis like the, oh, yeah. the, like yeah. that particular lines lines that they actually have were actually well thought out I think yeah I, as someone who doesn't live in Dublin but who only uses the, the, the Lewis when I am in Dublin for specific things it has always been well positioned for me for anything that I've needed to go I out. think you know I like to Lewis I think it's a good service it's well uh, thought out yeah um, and it's quite a modern Transport. Yeah. I know there was some resistance to it. Actually, I I remember uh, watching a documentary. Uh, was like really in the years or something. And there was a lot of sort of not resistance, but like naysaying around the Dart when it uh, started running first. And, mm. and there were huge problems with it. it yeah. There was a lot of delays and stuff. But I really liked the Dart as well. It's just something quite pleasant about going into town centre of a Saturday morning on the Dart. I don't like the Dart. At rush peak hours, uh, you say five to six o'clock on a week night, mm. like a, for obvious oh reasons, God, though. it's such a crush. And you know, when you're in London, you'll constantly mind the gap, you'll hear mind the gap everywhere. The gap at Tara Street Station is you need a pole vault to get over <laughs> that. I like, I genuinely despair for what old 
people have to yeah. do in yeah. public transport here. If you get on a bus, Dublin bus, and Dublin bus is a pretty good service. It goes a lot of places. Yeah. Some of the routes really go in and out of the houses. They really do. Like, I mistakenly got one. Well, I was like waiting for one number of bus coming, but it was like 10 minutes away. And there was another one coming up the way, and it was two minutes away. And it was like terminating in Ring's End. And I was like, that's kind of close to where I want to go. I'll just hop on that. It went in and out of every house in the state in Dublin Southwest. And there are many. Yeah. And eventually, an hour later, reached Christchurch. I was like, oh my God, I'm still not even anywhere near where I want to. So I just got out of Christchurch and walked. But when they when they take off, like they shoot off. And like, I just wonder, like, what about old people? Like, they must have to just really grab on something tight to things. You know, it's a safety issue, I think. Well, I think, it, look, Dublin bus is, I think, like any inner city bus service. It is at the whim of the traffic that it's having to deal with. And it's at the whim of a schedule that it's also trying to keep. And I think trying to keep that balance of like trying to get from A to B and arrive at the time you're meant to be there, allowing for traffic that you can't always predict. Because even with bus lanes, that only does so much good yeah. inside of the city. Um, but I do think that the the drivers of the Dublin bus are given very, very vigorous and thorough training on how to hit every pothole on the road possible on the way back into town it does seem a lot like that to me it's like oh there's one. Oh, got that one too you're like oh my god and we're back to potholes again like you, they're unavoidable they really are like I don't, I don't understand how we haven't fixed the problem of potholes isn't there a material we, we quite clearly haven't elected the right councillor and our TD to fix that that's problem. it that's clearly yeah. the problem it's, the problem is not science and technology the problem is you don't vote get out and vote get for out the and right vote. man yeah. you need a man with a shovel yeah that's what you, you need but <laughs> a man with a shovel bucket of tar all yeah. right? it's the like the Healy Ray uh, you know like we put a man in the doll with a shovel in one hand and a bucket of tar in the other hand and by god things will get sorted yes I mean like it may only happen in like several stretches of road in certain parts of the those roads are well served <laughs> be immaculate. Like, the other thing that might do it is you have a presidential visit I remember going bird watching one time years ago uh, down in Clare and I was like wow the roads down here and we were out well down the peninsula in Clare we are out near Loop Head down near Kalbaha or somewhere a tiny little village clinging to the wild Atlantic coast the road surfaces here are immaculate. Someone, yeah, President Mary Robinson was here recently. <laughs> and I was like, right, that explains that. Yeah, she came with the road tar. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, your roads she are not that bad. She filled them in as she went along. She's yeah. from Mayo. Yeah. That woman knows what a pothole looks like. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, okay. Well, look, if we take away, though, from our, our, our bus network, though, I mean, like, that's our, I think that is, to be fair, the, the main public transport network inside of Ireland, right? Yeah. But traditionally, if you're leaving Ireland, the option that you primarily had was getting on a ferry, getting on the boat. We are an island. We are an island. Yeah. And, and we have had some significant boat incidents connected with us. Uh, the yeah. Titanic in particular. <laughs> no, we we can't actually notable. claim responsible for the significant part of that. But, but it, you know... It stops here along the way. Yeah, uh, built in Belfast. Built in Belfast. One uh, of two of its type built in uh, Belfast. Um, its second stop was Queensport, which is now Cove. Oh, yeah, that's right, Jeff. A lovely uh, part of the country. Yeah, unfortunately, it was also... I think it was its last stop before. Yeah, uh, people, unfortunately, a lot of people got on. Did they, in a the movie, actually, Titanic, uh, is that... Highlighted they... for, um, Jack, is he Irish in the... 
Some no. Irish people get on. They, they, there, there are Irish people on board because there's definitely a jig being danced at some point. That's right, and there's some woeful Irish accents. Well, you know, that's a thing. Um, I'm pretty certain the Titanic starts off at Cherbourg. Right. The film, actually, because I, I, I think that's where both he and... Rose. I want to say Rose. Rose yeah, and Jack. Rose, yeah. Jack, actually both born in the same place. And I've actually been to Sherbrooke, and I was in... The, there's a there's a wonderful museum in Sherbrooke. If you're interested in anything maritime, it is an amazing place to actually visit on a complete and utter tangent in this. But if you're ever in Sherbrooke, or if you're ever in the north of France and you want to actually visit an interesting spot, Sherbrooke has this huge maritime museum. It's got this massive aquarium inside of it. It also has a... Um, a... French nuclear submarine that you can actually walk inside Ooh. of, you can tour around. It's got, it, it essentially has a museum that's dedicated to um, submarines and to uh, like the history of exploration of the ocean depths, etc. Et that it, does sound uh, awesome. It's, a, it's an amazing place. And they also have a section which is dedicated to the Titanic, unsurprisingly, right. because yep. it was the place that it departed from. So, um, a wonderful place, very interesting, so worth checking out. Also, though, the Lusitania. Yeah. Uh, Lusitania uh, was a ship that was torpedoed by a German U-boat off the coast of Cork um, and it was in its day it was a huge uh, flashpoint yes. uh, for World War One. Yeah. it was very instrumental in bringing the US the US into the, into the war into the war the yeah. US like, you know were sort of pursuing a kind of a, uh, an isolationist policy at the mm. time and this outraged people like this was a massive scandal yeah. because of course the Germans were like no we are the light uh, of uh, civilization we are everything that barbarianism isn't mm-hmm. we would never do something like this and the whole thing with Leuven and the library burned to the ground we were provoked into that I'm sorry and then they went along and they did this mm-hmm. and every, people were I suppose quite rightly outraged at this but that was another naval disaster that happened right off the, the coast. I mean, obviously, again, not, uh, not Okay, let, let, exactly. let, let, let's just say that... <laughs> okay, Titanic technically didn't happen too close to us. We, we just, it was yeah. just kind of like... It, just it, there it, is it, that connection there. Connection there. there. Uh, the the did quite, quite have it quite close. We may want to move away from shipping disasters when we talk. Because <laughs> largely, largely, they're just used for us to kind of get from A to B. Yeah, um, but we do. We have a long, uh, outstanding connection with the sea. Uh, uh, yeah. Most of our towns were set up by Vikings, who are obviously were expert farers and so on. But we have a kind of we have a sad side of that as well. That, like you said at the beginning, traditionally, if you were leaving the country, it was on ships, on the boat, you know, during the, the time of the famine as well. So they, I think connotations are a little bit. They can be. They I mean, can like, be quite negative. These days, I mean, I know the first time I was on a ferry was um, going to England. So going on holiday to Manchester. and How was it? Did you like it? Um, it was different because like, I, I, didn't, I didn't kind of like understand how long we were going to be on the ferry. That makes yeah. sense. But also it was quite a long drive because you had to drive to Dublin and then you had to get on the ferry. And then once you actually got to Hollyhead... There was still a lot of driving ahead of you, so right. it wasn't just a yeah. case that you could kind of like hop on, hop on. And like it wasn't that I was getting on the ferry and then getting off the ferry, and I had both left my like place of departure and arrived at my place of arrival. I like the ferry was just one piece of a very long extended trip. Yeah. So like, 
And I, like, because like the ferries are obviously concentrated on the east coast of the country. Like you've got Dublin yep. Port and Ross there. Those are the two primary ferry ports uh, for most people. So if you're going to the UK, it's typically like Dublin Port. If you're going from Ross there, like you're going to the continent, going to yep. the north of France. You do France. But um, it is just one of those things that like, I think ferries, they're, 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 they remain to this day incredibly important to the country. But they have been somewhat superseded for popular transport by the airports. Yeah, you know, um, um, yeah. I don't really. I know a few people out right who get ferries, but I mean, there are there's a good reason to get the ferries still, and there are good yeah. ferries, but it's hard to find someone who hasn't taken a plane journey. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's pretty ubiquitous if you're going to actually go from A to B, like regardless of your, whether you're traveling for business or if you're traveling for pleasure or whatever, the most likely route that you're going to take is. Be an airport. Yeah, and we have a really great uh, connection with aviation history as well. Yeah, there's tons of great like firsts and big events in aviation history that have an Irish connection. Mm. And we were serviced by like Belfast Airport, Dublin Airport, Cork Airport, uh, Shannon, Shannon Airport. Um, there is a, there is is it, it's in Kerry. Is it Tralee? The there is an airport. Uh, all right in. I think it's somewhere it, outside of Tralee. Is yeah, it I can't. I'm trying Dingle to or Tralee? I think it's Tralee. But anyway, that's so another kind of like a, a regional yeah. airport. Though it has to be said that if you're going to talk about regional airports in Ireland, you're going to talk about airports in Ireland, you've got to mention Knock Airport. Ah, uh, Knock. Uh, knock. Got, right got the got airport knock. up in Knock. So if you're not familiar with Knock, so Knock is a. Knock is a small village in the west of Ireland, it's in the middle of Mayo. And it's um, important because it is a site of pilgrimage because it was the site of a visitation. Is that the right oh, word? Oh, I just know that it's uh, important as a pilgrimage spot. Like, it's really up there. Which... Mary showed up. Mary showed up and was seen to be there. Did something. Did things. Yeah. So, like, Knock is an important pilgrimage site for Catholics in Ireland and internationally. And it, it was visited by the Pope back in the 1970s. I think that was Pope John, John Paul II. The second, yeah. And it was also visited by Mother Teresa back in the 90s. Did she? I didn't yeah. know she went there. She did. Okay. And huge crowds. I mean, like, huge, yeah. huge crowds. There is a basilica in Knock. The, there was a church specifically built for the visit of the Pope. Uh, back in the 1970s and he um, actually designated it as a basilica right which is a thing don't is ask me the technical consecrated is that it's, it's, it is now a basilica was it a blessing the Pope made it a basilica yeah you know, it's quite big well, it's it hard to argue with that if the Pope says it's a basilica ain't no one going to argue with that technically can't be wrong no. yeah so <laughs> <laughs> papal embassy there we are um, so there was a thing though that the, there was a particular yeah. Monsignor I think he's Monsignor Horn. You're right, Horn, because I, I my I, my entire knowledge of Knock comes from the song that Christy Moore wrote about it. Yes, Monsignor yeah. Horn, I think is is in fact his name. And um, he uh, he didn't was, he uh, in the words of uh, Christy uh, threaten excommunication on the flock. <laughs> basically, he took it upon himself, or he certainly led the charge in. Establishing an airport in Knock, which was specifically to cater to pilgrims uh, traveling to there. And there was 
quite a bit of skepticism around this plan, allowing for where he proposed to actually build the airport was essentially on a very boggy hill in quite a foggy part of Mayo. Yeah. A combination of... Not ideal no, for landing No, not, not exactly ideal. Yeah. But he did it. I think he did it without asking permission. He, it was definitely more in that, like, um, don't ask for permission, seek forgiveness yeah. type thing. Yeah. So I, I'm not even sure. I'm waiting on that one. I believe construction may have uh, begun on the airport before he either had planning or funding. It was one of those things like going, this is happening, people. <laughs> either get on the bandwagon now, all right, or you left behind. Yeah. But to this day, um, Knock Airport was actually constructed. I think it was formerly opened in 85, 86, something like that. Right. And um, it is now a regional airport. 30 um, odd years ago. Yeah. Um, in the middle of Mayo. That is a important hub in that part of the world. Sure. Know, because um, between Knock um, and Shannon, those are the two airports that primarily serve the Western region. And Knock still remains one of those odd little kind of like anomalies because it really is where it is because a particular priest said, I want one. Yes, let's do <laughs> we're, this. We're having it. We are going to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't really like, oh, okay, let's uh, talk amongst the business community or, or you know, uh, you know, bring we're it up. We're doing this dawn. for God. Let's have a parliamentary question. No, <laughs> we're, we're doing this. The Pope is coming here. The end. No, no, the Pope had come at this point. Oh, yes. what? how did he get there in the first place then? I presume he flew in somewhere else. And then drove. <laughs> and then drove. <laughs> True like potholes. everyone else did. Right. All right. The, they, I wonder they, they, they may have they, fixed the roads for him. Yeah, I was just going to say, I wonder did they surface the roads. Let me put it like way. this 1970s Ireland. If you can imagine what a visit by uh, President Mary Robinson did for Clare, you know, <laughs> could you imagine, <laughs> the what the visit, you imagine what the visit of the Pope did for the road network in oh, Ireland? Yeah. You know, tarmac, as far as the eye could see, I'm it's, guessing. You know, I suppose rightly so in Ireland. This, you know, he's a rock star, really, or was. Uh, the rock Still star of his day. Yeah, well, uh, Pope John Paul in Ireland. Is, yeah, like, Pope John Paul. Yeah, he's, he, he's yeah. the guy. Yeah, I think when, when you talk about a Pope, because uh, he was there for so long. Yeah. Um, and I suppose he was the first Pope around during mass media to, or to really make a use of mass media at a point in Ireland where a lot of people were starting to have TV sets in their, in their there house. There is still a picture of him in our house at home. Yeah. I think there's a picture of him in my grandmother's room. My grandparents sat opposite each other in very comfy chairs uh, when I was growing up. And over my grandfather's uh, seat, there was a picture of the Pope, so mm. my granny could look at it. And over her seat was a picture of Dev, so he could look at that. And that is a statement. That is <laughs> the socio-religious <laughs> political environment that I grew up in. Let's just say that is definitely a conversation for a different day. Yeah. But um, no, he's a very important uh, figure. So I, I'd imagine that, if, you know, it's kind of hard to think that we'd find someone today who could show up and have the same impact on our infrastructure. On our infrastructure. <laughs> I think Obama, right. I think Obama when he visited, certainly. Yeah, that was, that was a big to do. That was a big to do. I mean, like when the Queen, the, when the Queen <clears> came, that was significant. But when Obama came, everyone's like going, woohoo, Obama, yeah. the Obama Plaza. I've been there. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about something that's quintessentially Irish I mean, when it comes to our transportation network, the Obama Plaza. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really handy. <laughs> can, you ex- can you explain like a burger? Can you explain that one to anyone who doesn't know it? Um, yeah, so Obama's connection is to Offaly, right? Tenuous. Tenuous, tenuous connection. connection to a man called Henry in, uh, not Kennedy. It's just, it's near Kennedy. 
I should know one of one of my school friends is from there, uh, and he he visited. Yes. He went to the pubs and and so on. Uh, and it was huge. It was a big like the camera crews arrived. He drank a pint of Guinness like everyone else who ever who's ever we visited liked Ireland. Yeah. yeah, and I, we do. We like as a nation. We really like Obama. Yeah, we like the fact that he went. I have Irish connections and then actually came over here yeah. uh, to sort of reinforce like the, the point. The one who we really loved is Kennedy because Kennedy yeah. is always going to be king really for us, I think. Yes, yeah. But like, you know, Kennedy, obviously, that's, yeah. you're going back a while now. You're yeah. going back a while now. Obama is like, He's, oh, he was the man. He was yeah. the man at the time. And, um, and Obama is now, you know, the successor of that. Yeah. Uh, he, he arrived over. It was a huge hullabaloo. It was wildly successful visit. Everybody it yeah. couldn't have gone better, I think. Um, so, in honor of Obama, mm. perhaps we built a statue or, you know, a, a beautiful uh, photograph somewhere of him. Maybe a little commemorative garden, like the JFK uh, spot in in Air Square. You know, somewhere where you can sit down and remember the great mm-hmm. event. No, we instead we built a the Obama Plaza, which is. Like I'm sure, if you've driven across Ireland, you'll be familiar with the type of plazas. They're basically somewhere you can pull in off the motorway. Uh, you can get it's your a petrol. service station. It, it, I was trying to not use the word <laughs> service station. We're trying to clam it up there, Forex. <laughs> you had to go and use the S word. <laughs> it, it, basically, it's a, a great big service station. Uh, you can get oh, you can get sandwiches. You can get a burger. This is not something I should highlight that was actually done like on a national basis. It wasn't as though like the people of Ireland said, and now we want to commemorate this by doing like a service station up yeah. and naming it after him. This is something lo- someone did locally. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah it wasn't. Now uh... more power to him, but I'm just pointing this one out. Okay. It wasn't as though the people of Ireland said the way we're going to commemorate Barack Obama's visit to Ireland is by every so often, if we're actually passing passing through awfully, we're going to be able to fill up at the service station named after him. It is in the Midlands. Chances are, you know, if you're driving across Ireland, you you might need to stop there. Possibly. And, you know, I guess you're entitled to call your service station whatever the hell you want. Do you you remember, who was it? Was it Paddy Power that actually changed the names of 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 their shop fronts? Was a, it could have been they're they controversial they're always doing something they were, for attention they, they threw in like oh power oh patty or something like that oh, ba- uh, oh power oh Obama, something, something like, like that yeah yeah, yeah it know. was a thing yeah it's pretty good but I, I think it'd be great if Obama came back um, you know I think he I think though he should definitely go somewhere with really bad roads oh yeah I mean like if you wanted to if you cared at all about Ireland Obama (laughs) if you're listening you you need to go somewhere that really needs new roads yes yeah Um, going by that video that went viral apparently Ken Turk yeah Yeah. (laughs) what's Ken Turk (laughs) actually you know Cork generally is just lovely Uh, I know I keep saying that but I want to see more of of Cork Um, what what are the roads like in West Cork Um, put like this how famous are you not famous enough to, like, that my announcing a visit to West Cork is going to help the people of West Cork. Then let's call it scenic and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. I think that seems like a good place to end this. I think so. Thanks for listening. Yep. Talk to you again.